Well, I hope you had a great holiday time with your family. I hope that you're feeling encouraged and inspired for the start of this new year. If you missed last Sunday, we had five different sets of people share some testimonies of what God is doing in their lives. And uh, it was really good, really encouraging. And uh, I know that you are blessed by that. But because of that, uh, this is the first Sunday of the year where we uh, uh, get to have a message. And so uh, I get to have the first word of 2023. I gave my dad the last words of 2022. Let's hope that my words are better than the way he ended. Although his were pretty good. But we're going to start the two year, or start the new year rather with a two part mini series that we are calling Restart. You know, the beginning of the year is the time when a lot of people want to make a fresh start in some area of their lives. For some, that could be a decision uh, perhaps to lose weight or to work out or to pray more, maybe read through the Bible in a year, or just to try again in some area of their life. And usually the reason why somebody wants to have a restart is because they feel like they're failing in some way. They aren't happy with where they're at, or maybe they're looking at the trajectory of their life and realizing, if I continue down this path, I don't like where the destination or or the destination that I'm heading towards. Three years ago in January, I guess that would have been uh, of 2020, I realized I needed a new start in the area of my personal eating habits. I was really struggling, I was gaining weight rapidly, I was having some health issues, and was concerned that what would happen if I didn't do something, and for some reason I got really motivated and had a successful restart in that area of my life. As a, as a married man who uh, in December of this year, just a, a couple weeks ago, celebrated 25 years of marriage, I can tell you that, yeah, I got to pause for that. I can tell you that Angela and I have had many restarts over the last 25 years, uh, maybe even this year, maybe even this month, maybe even this morning. As a father, we didn't have a restart this morning, but we might need one at the end of the sermon. As a father, I can tell you I've needed some restarts. In areas of personal integrity, I've had times when I knew I needed to start over. You know, the truth is, if I think about my life, and I think you could say the same about yours, there isn't one area of my life where I've just got it right 100% of the time. And so restarts have been needed over and over and over again. You know, sometimes I have felt like I needed a restart, not just, not because I felt like I was failing necessarily, but because God was inspiring me and giving me a vision of something greater. The, the motivation for a fresh start was a desire to go to another level of effectiveness in my life. For example, in this past September, I felt stirred by the Lord to grow a little bit more in my own personal faith and in my leadership. And so I found a series on Right Now Media that just caught my attention. I felt like the Lord was directing me to it, that it would inspire me, and it has. And so I've added this sort of short teaching to my regular devotions, and it's been great for me. I wouldn't say I was failing necessarily, but I wanted to keep growing, and I realized it required a bit of a restart. 
You know, as you look at yourself this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question. And maybe as the message is being preached over these next couple weeks, uh, to have this question in your mind. It's this. Are you being honest about the trajectory of your life? Are you heading for trouble in some area if you don't do something? Is there an area where God is perhaps pressing upon you or where you feel that he's calling you to greater fruitfulness or increasing your vision that you know is going to require a change? I'm sure every one of us could find a place in our lives this morning where we could say, I know that a restart is in order. And I hope that this little series inspires you to try again or to make a change where God is calling you deeper. But to begin today, I, I want to talk about something specific. If, if you're, uh, if you're feeling, uh, this, this challenge to have a successful restart, then I think there are three things that you need to realize. And I'm going to talk about those today. The first thing that you need to realize, and I really love this point is that God is already planning your restart. God is already planning your restart. I was reading the story of the night Jesus was betrayed, and I noticed something recently that really blessed me and encouraged me. Jesus had been eating with his disciples and announced uh, at, the, at the dinner table, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me. And it caused uh, great distress amongst the disciples and they were all asking Jesus, am I the one? Am I the one? And, and even Judas asked Jesus if he was the one and Jesus said, yeah, yeah, Judas, it's you. And they continued to eat together and breaking bread and were singing some hymns. And then the Bible tells us in Matthew that they headed out to the Mount of Olives. And in chapter 26 of verse 31, it says, On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead... I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No! Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples, they chimed in and they vowed the same thing. And as I was reading this, I was thinking about how often we end up doing things that we thought we never would do. We all have these great intentions. We make great promises. We even shake our heads sometimes at the shortcomings of those around us and then find one day that we're doing the, the same thing ourselves or end up in the same place. Peter had declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Well, we know the story. As Jesus is being questioned and accused in the house of the high priest, Peter is outside in the courtyard where he is recognized as one who has been with Jesus. And he denies it adamantly three separate times. It tells us in verse 74, Peter swore, 
A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. How bitter are the tears of regret we cry when we end up doing what we swore we would never do or end up in a place that we never thought we would be. But there is something I read already that jumped out to me that we must not miss. It's in verse 32 after Jesus had told them that they were all going to desert him that night. He says, but after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Church, this is a powerful verse because it shows us that with God, our story is never over and our failure is never final. Did you notice something? God was already planning their restart before they had even failed. He said, you're going to desert me tonight, but I'm going to go ahead of you and I'm going to find you. That just leapt off the page at me. He was already planning the restart before the failure had even occurred. They were going to leave him, but Jesus said, I'll find you again. You might be unfaithful to me, but I will never be unfaithful to you. And when Judas showed up to betray him a few hours later, In verse 49, it says, so Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. How evil is that? Betrayed with a kiss. But notice what Jesus calls him. Jesus said in verse 50, my friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. He still called Judas his friend, even after the betrayal with a kiss. Church, that's our God. And when we realize his heart of mercy and see that even in our worst moments, he's not caught by surprise, he doesn't change his love for us, and he's already planning our restart, that changes everything. That changes everything. Well, smattering of applause. Maybe you're not convinced this is true. Let me give you a couple other examples. In the Old Testament, we're told in great detail the story of the nation of Israel and their relationship with God. It was one where they were constantly turning their backs on God and practicing idolatry. Prophets would come and warn them and usually a disaster would come on them and then they would turn back to God only to desert him again. Eventually, their idolatry and disobedience resulted in the entire nation being destroyed, the city of Jerusalem destroyed, and uh, almost all the people carried off as captives to a foreign land. But in this place of captivity, the prophet Jeremiah declares something amazing. In Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. 
Did you catch that? God was already planning their restart. You're going to be here for 70 years, but believe me, there's a day coming when you are going to step into the promises that I have for you because I have a hope and a future for you. I have plans for you. I'm already planning your restart. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. I've preached on this so many times. But it's a story that Jesus told to illustrate the father heart of God. For those of you who know the story, you know that the prodigal had rejected his father, squandered his inheritance, eventually ending up in a pig pen, weeping the the bitter tears of regret. And he makes the decision to return home to his father, uh, not thinking he has a future, but hoping that maybe he could at least be a slave in his father's house because the slaves there at least ate pretty good. But unbeknown to him, his father had different plans. And in Luke 15, 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now, I think it is absolutely significant that Jesus would add the detail that his father saw him coming from a long ways away. It implies that the father was actively looking for him and was expecting his return. After putting a robe on the boy and a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, he tells a servant this, and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. When I read that, it sounds to me like the father had been fattening the calf for this very occasion. He had been planning the restart from the moment that the son had left. The son had come home dragging his feet and feeling like such a failure. And he had this idea that the father was going to treat him as a slave and that it was all over for him. But he did not understand or know the heart of his father. Church, we act the same way many times. We weep the bitter tears of regret. We feel like hiding. We feel like beating ourselves up in our shame. Now, there's nothing wrong with some godly sorrow that leads to repentance, but we need to understand the heart of our God, of our Father in heaven. He is waiting for our return. He is planning our restart, and He will be there to help us in it. You know, here's what I have found. I have found that God will often find us in that place of brokenness and even initiate the restart. If you read in the Gospel of John, we have this great story of Jesus. This is after his resurrection. Remember in Matthew, he had said to them, you're going to desert me, but I'm going to find you in Galilee. And here in John, we have this great story of Jesus after the resurrection going to his disciples and specifically Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Why was he there? He went to initiate the restart. The disciples are fishing. They had fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus stands on the beach and he yells out to them in their boat. They haven't recognized that it's him yet. And he says to them, hey, throw your net over the other side of the boat. Jesus had done this to them one time before. 
And just like the previous time, they threw their net over the other side of the boat and they caught more fish than they could manage. It was at that moment that Peter realized, that's Jesus on the beach. I've been here before. This happened one other time. And he jumps into the water. And he heads for the shore. He doesn't wait for the rest of the disciples. He doesn't wait uh, uh, to help with the fish. He heads for Jesus. He had denied Jesus three times. And in this little moment on the beach with Jesus, Jesus asks him three times the question, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter gets to express to Jesus, you know I love you. Three times he had denied him. Three times Jesus gives him the opportunity to profess his love. It's a beautiful moment. And Jesus calls him in that moment again to follow him. In fact, he even predicts that Peter's going to die one day following him. But this time he won't desert him. It was the great restart that Jesus had predicted when he said, you will all desert me, but I'm going to find you after. When I think about it, I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a Bible hero who didn't have a restart. In fact, it seems as if all of God's best plans hang on our restarts. It's like he already factors them in. Whatever area you have in your life this morning that requires a fresh start, I hope you can see today that God is waiting for you, that he is likely already initiating something in your life because he has plans to move you forward. He has a hope and a future for you. Solomon wrote these words in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. With our God there is an opportunity to begin afresh every day. His mercy never runs out. The second thing that we need to realize is that restarting is actually the way of the righteous. Proverbs 24, verse 15, Solomon writes these words. Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling place. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. In this passage of scripture, Solomon is making an interesting observation. Essentially, he is saying, you know what? There is something unique about the righteous. They just don't stay down. They refuse to be defeated. They keep getting back up and starting over and over. In the book of Proverbs, one of the constant themes that we see through the entire book is this comparison between two separate paths in life. The path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. Both paths lead to a destination. 
The path of the righteous leads to uh, blessing and prosperity. The path of the wicked leads to destruction. And here now, Solomon shows us that on the path of the righteous, even the righteous stumble and fall. But what makes them different is they just keep getting up. They just keep moving forward. It's interesting that Solomon says that the righteous fall and get up seven times. The number seven in scripture is often a symbol of completeness or perfection. And and so it may illustrate to us here that no matter how many times a righteous man falls, and no matter if his fall seems to be completely irreversible, the setback is only temporary. He is destined to rise again. It's the path of the righteous. You see, there is something different about the righteous. As we saw in the previous point, God is the helper of the righteous. He is there to lift them up when they fall. He is already making plans for their comeback. Psalms 37 verse 23 says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. My friends, every one of us is going to have times when we stumble and fall. But we need to see today that it doesn't mean that we are defeated and that our destiny has been denied. Because God is for us, we can rise again. Micah 7 verse 8 says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be my light. I love that verse. It is the attitude of the righteous. They understand that even in the place of great darkness, God is there. Even in the place of great darkness, God has not abandoned them and he will come and be their lights. He is the source of strength that empowers me to get back up on my feet and move forward. In Hebrews 4.14 The writer writes, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have been one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So then let us uh, approach God's grace, throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Church, when you fall, you can get up. When you stumble, run to the throne of grace. You can go there confidently. You can go there with great expectation that there is both mercy there and grace to help you in your time of need. There is something about the righteous. They have a healthy view of the mercy of God. They have a healthy view of even their own weaknesses. Paul learned that Christ's power was actually made perfect in his weaknesses. So it changed how he saw them. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Even the great apostle Paul had 
times of weakness, times when he stumbled, times when he needed a restart. But Paul understood that God is with the righteous. He understood that God's power comes when we rely on him in the areas where we are weak. The righteous aren't perfect, but they always get back up because their source and their strength and their hope is in the Lord. That's the path of the righteous. The third thing we need to realize is that the sooner you restart, the better. As I mentioned at the beginning, it was three years ago in 2020 when I made a restart with my personal eating habits. I'll tell you, January, February, and March was hard work. Hard work to make the changes that resulted in losing about 20 pounds. I was three years ago, I'm still 20 pounds lighter than I was then. Not 21, 20. I could lose a few more, but the goal was 20 and I did it, so good enough. And I've been fairly successful keeping the weight off for one reason. Well, two. The first reason is this. I made the decision to weigh myself almost every morning. And I've done it almost every day for three years. And the reason for that is every day I wanted to be honest about exactly where I was at. Well, it's the second way that you've kept it off. Well, I use it as an illustration about every six months, so now I'm like in front of the people I can't put it back on again. I weigh myself every day. Why? Because it's easy to lie to ourselves. It's easy to convince ourselves that we're doing better than we are or to minimize the consequences of our actions. When I fall off the wagon at Christmas time, the scale tells me the cold hard facts. At that moment, I realize something. You either restart right now and face a little pain and get back on track or major pain later. I can tell you I've had many restarts in the last three years, but by stepping on the scale every day, they've been minor ones. Oh, I got to lose a couple. It's creeping on me. Got to tighten it up a little. Angie and I are going on a cruise here the last week in January for our 25th. I already know in February there's going to be a little pain. I'm trying to be really good these next two weeks to build a little reserve. A little pain now, gorge, and a little pain later. I'm already factoring it in. David said in Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Church, I want to tell you, if you're looking for a prayer to pray on a regular basis, this is your prayer. This is a great prayer. This is a step on the scale every morning kind of prayer. 
It's a get honest before God kind of prayer. It's one that I suggest to you should be a daily prayer and a daily habit. Restarting is the way of the righteous. But the Bible teaches that a daily restarting and a quick restart is the best approach. It's the least painful and it minimizes the consequences. In Ephesians 4, Paul gives instructions for how we should live as one who are followers of Jesus. When we gave our lives to Jesus, how many of you know it was a fresh start? Jesus called it being born again. We became brand new creations. The old was gone. The new had come. We were filled with the Holy Spirit. We received a new power source to live differently. And Paul says in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's this idea of rejecting the old way of living, starting over, living differently by the power of the Holy Spirit because the old self was corrupt. It was on a pathway leading to destruction. But notice as Paul begins to dive more specifically into what that looks like, he says in verse 26, In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He's talking specifically about dealing with anger or that thing that has caused anger. But notice that he says, deal with it immediately. And then he gives us the reason why. If you don't, you're going to give the devil a foothold in your life. And let me tell you, once he gets a foothold, you got a monster to deal with. And the consequences begin to pile up and the pain grows exponentially. I've often quoted this verse in counseling with newlyweds or those going through pre-marriage counseling. If you deal with stuff that comes up quickly and restart immediately, you will thrive in marriage. It's one of the best marriage tips I can give you. If you let it fester, it grows. Have you ever tried to untangle a whole ball of string or maybe a whole uh, fishing line? Almost impossible. Most of the times when people come for marriage counseling, it's such a ball of tangled up ball of yarn. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin. But if you untangle one knot, the first time you get a knot and you untangle it, it's not so bad. When the righteous fall, they get up. But the best time to do that is now. My friends, we have an enemy who wants to destroy us. He wants a foothold in our lives. He wants things to fester and grow. He wants maximum pain and the worst consequences. So he lies to us. He tries to get us to minimize. He tries to get us to procrastinate. He'll say things like, hey, you screwed up now, so you might as well just go all the way because you're such a screw up. Isn't that often our attitude? 
Oh my gosh, I ate the chocolate. Well, might as well eat the whole box. Might as well go all the way. Get my money's worth. Well, I gave in to temptation. I looked at something on the internet I shouldn't have. Ah, I'll just binge. Might as well get my money's worth. It's too late now. Where does that idea come from? It's stupid. It just makes the comeback and the restart even harder. It just gives the enemy more ground. Church, today is the day to say, I'm sorry. Today is the day to say, I forgive you. Today is the day to make the change. Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 7, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because if you harden it today, it'll be even harder to make the change tomorrow. When the Lord softens you, when the Lord puts his finger on something, when the Lord says, here, you need to make a change, make it as fast as you can. Don't give the devil any more room. Starve the monster before it grows. If you need to restart in some area of your life, church, today is the best day to do it. Right now is the best time. I want to end with this thought. We have seen how God has a plan for our restart. That's awesome to me. I don't care where you're at today. God's got a plan for your restart. He's waiting. He's looking for us. He'll help us. We have seen how even the righteous fall. But they understand the mercy of God that's available, that it's new every day. They understand his power is perfected in their weakness. We have seen how now is the time. And today, if we hear his voice, we must not harden our hearts. And so the question then is, how do we experience the power of God to change? How do we access this mercy that's available for us? How do we access this grace? And the answer is simply this, we humble ourselves. How did the prodigal get the grace? He had to humble himself and return. How did Peter get the grace? He had to get out of that boat and he had to head towards Jesus. You know, Judas weeped the bitter tears of regret too. Was there grace for Judas? Oh, there would have been grace. Jesus would have met him on the beach too. But Judas, in his weeping of bitter tears, went and hung himself. He missed the grace. Jesus had said, I'll meet you on the beach. I'll meet you in Galilee. But he killed himself before he ever had a chance to experience the grace. If he would have humbled himself and come before the throne, he would have found it. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That means get honest. That means step on the scale and go, this is what it says. It means repentance. It means acknowledging your need of God. It means making a decision to restart.
I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to this message this morning. I'm going to have Andrew come and, and play. I'm going to open the altar in a second. But before I do that, I want to talk to those of you this morning who do not know Jesus as your Savior. If you have never had a moment in your life when you have made Jesus your Savior, I want to tell you something. You are desperately in need of a restart. You see, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore, our destination is an eternity apart from God in a place called hell. That's the destination of the wicked. And all of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short. On our own, we have no hope. But the good news of the gospel is that God loved us so much. In fact, before he even created the world, he knew we were going to fall and he planned the restart. He already had made a decision. He was going to send his own son to come into the world to do what we couldn't do. To die in our place. To take all our sin upon himself and stand in our place before God and experience the full wrath of God that was destined for us. He lived a sinless life. And on the cross, there was this amazing exchange that happened. He took all of our sin upon himself and he offered us his righteousness in, re in exchange. He offered us an opportunity for a restart. He offered us an opportunity to experience heaven for all of eternity. And the Bible says that you can receive that grace and that mercy by acknowledging that you need a Savior, by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, by confessing your sin. The Bible says if you will confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Many in this room have had that moment in their life when they realized they were a sinner and needed a Savior. And they fell on their knees in humility and made the exchange and accepted the grace and the mercy of God. But if you're here this morning and you've never had that then today is the day. Do not harden your heart. I'm going to lead in a prayer of salvation. Just acknowledging before God, I need you to be my Savior. And if that's you, if you want me to include you in my prayer, if you want to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to give you a moment to do that right here and right now. So I just want everybody to bow their heads with me just uh, so that this is personal between those that are responding. I just ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I'm going to ask, just by a show of hands, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But if you know that you need Jesus today and you say, Pastor, when you pray that prayer, would you include me in that prayer? I just want you to slip your hand up where I can see it. It's just between you and me and Jesus. I see some hands in the room this morning. Is there anybody that says, Pastor... Anybody else? I'm just going to give a moment. Just slip your hand up where I can see it. Thank you. You can put your hands down. As I pray this prayer, it's not magic words. It's just a heartfelt prayer before God acknowledging our need of Him as a Savior. And as I pray it, in your own heart, you just say to God, that's me. I'm in agreement with the pastor as he prays. 
be my Savior and be my Lord. I'll tell you something amazing is going to happen, whether you feel it or not. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to come on the inside of you. God places his Holy Spirit in us. He begins to change us. It's where the grace to change comes from. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I come before you today acknowledging that I'm a sinner in need of a restart. I come to you today to make the exchange. I come to confess my need of you, to confess my sin before you, and to take the righteousness that you've made available to me. Would you forgive me, my God? Would you wash me? Would you cleanse me? Today I place my faith and my trust in you, Lord Jesus. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Today I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Today I ask that you would make me your son and your daughter. Thank you for your great mercy for me. Hey, everyone. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We hope you enjoyed it and found something that spoke to you or blessed you in some way. That really is the heart of Harvest City Church, that you take what you've heard, learned, or experienced here, and then go out and share that good news with others. So go ahead and post this video to your page, start conversations, and who knows the lives that God could transform through it. If we can support you in some way in this season, please let us know. Maybe you've decided to dedicate your life fully to Jesus. We want to hear about it and celebrate with you and help you in those first steps. Connecting in to share the joys and the struggles of life is why we're here. Finding community is super important too, so if you're wondering about any of our programs for kids, youth, or adults, just reach out to us by phone or at the link below and we'll be in touch. To all of those who are partnering financially with us, thank you for your investment into the kingdom of God. It allows us to do what he's calling us to and reach even more people. For more info on that, go over to harvestconnect.ca give. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our live stream chat area at harvestconnect.ca live. It's a great place for interaction, commenting, prayer with our online hosts, and more. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our social pages and all that good stuff too. Take care, keep living your call, and we'll see you again real soon.